1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Please hear this public reading of God's Word. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is, and everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. So I just want us to look at the first half of verse 1 of 1 John 3, this incredible half of a verse. I'll read it again. 1 John 3, first half of verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Several things I want us to see about this verse. Number one, we notice that John begins this verse sort of with an outburst of wonder as he considers God's love in making us his children. He just bursts out into wonder, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. The second thing we see is John is trying to wake us up to the wonder of God's love in making us His children. He says, see. Some translations say, behold what kind of love the Father has given to us. John Piper says you have to use a word like see or like behold to wake people up to the wonder of God's love in making us His children. And number three, we see that John is calling us to do something. He says, see, or he says, behold what kind of love the Father has given to us. He wants us to pause. He wants us to contemplate. He wants us to consider and reflect upon the amazing love that God has bestowed upon His children. And then the second two words, so it's see or behold what kind. The Greek word that is translated what kind here is used seven times in the New Testament, and every time it is used, it always implies astonishment. It always implies astonishment. So I'm stealing the basic, this basic illustration from somebody else, but it's sort of like seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time. I'm sure some of you have seen the Grand Canyon. Mark and I got to see it several years ago. We were on a road trip. We decided we'd try to see the Grand Canyon. The sun was setting, so we got there right when the sun is getting ready to set. We parked the van. We literally ran through the woods to make sure we got a glimpse of the Grand Canyon. We're running through the woods. I remember the the woods is clearing up, and all of a sudden you see the Grand Canyon in front of you. It literally takes your breath away. The sun is dropping down. You look at it. Everybody is thinking, wow, look at the sunset. Look at the Grand Canyon. It's unbelievable to see it in person. That's That's the idea of what John is doing. When John pauses to consider God's love in making us his children, it takes his breath away. He is astonished. He is stirred. He is in awe. He is in amazement at God's love in making us His children. So a couple of questions as we come to our time of confession. Number one, when we consider God's love in making us His children, does that stir within us a sense of wonder, awe, and amazement? Number two, when was the last time we paused to consider this love? I would just say if we reflect on this love and it doesn't stir wonder within us, it's a sign of spiritual dullness, it's a sign of dryness within us, if this doesn't stir us up. So I want us to try to reflect a little bit on this love of God and making us His children. I'm going to borrow from Jerry Bridges and J.I. Packer for just a moment. I was listening to Jerry Bridges recently as a talk he gave years ago, and he was talking about God's grace in this talk. And he was trying to get his audience to understand God's grace. So he defined God's grace like this in that talk. He said, God's grace is God's blessings, plural, through Christ to people who deserve God's wrath. That's the idea of God's grace. God's blessings through Christ, to people who deserve God's wrath. Then he sort of wanted to put meat on the bones of that definition, so he told a couple of stories to help illustrate this. He said he grew up in East Texas, 
and he had a, grew up in a relatively poor family in East Texas, and when he was a child, they went through the Great Depression together. And they lived near a railroad station, railroad tracks right near his house. And he said, during the Great Depression, many times there would be men would ride the rail cars from one town to the next. And Jerry Bridges said he assumed that these men were going from town to town just looking for work, trying to find work. And he said occasionally one of these men would show up at the Bridges' home, would knock on the front door. Jerry Bridges' mom would come to the front door, answer the door, and this man at the door would simply ask if he could have some food to eat. And he said many times his mother would go into the kitchen, she would prepare whatever food she had, she would bring it back out, and she would serve it to them. And Bridges said this was unmerited favor from his mother to these men. She didn't require any work, she didn't ask any questions. In that sense, the man does nothing to earn the meal. He said this was kindness, this was generosity from his mother to these men, but he said this is a far cry from grace, far cry from grace. So he said, suppose this happened, this didn't actually happen. He said, suppose one time one of these men showed up at the house, knocked on the front door, and instead of asking for food, what if he pulled out a gun and he robbed Jerry Bridges' mom, took all of her jewelry, took all of the money in the home, and he fled the scene of the crime. And what happened if six months later, there's a knock on the door, and Jerry Bridges' mother goes to the door. She opens the door, and there's the same man who just robbed their house six months ago, and he's standing at the door. And what if this time, this man asked for a plate of food? And what if this time, Jerry Bridges' mom goes into the kitchen, pulls together a plate of food, and brings it out and serves it to this man? Well, the dynamics of this second situation are significantly different. This is unmerited favor again, but this is unmerited favor to someone who deserves punishment. And then Bridges said this, grace can only be rightly understood in the context of realizing that it's not just that we don't deserve God's blessings, we actually deserve His curse. And then he got me with this. He said, there's one big difference between that second story and real grace. And what's that big difference? He said, the big difference is this, we were not knocking at God's door. No. What were we doing? We were running away from God. We just sang about it in both of these songs. We were running our hellbound race as fast as we could, Jerry Bridges said, away from God. As J.R. Packer says, we were guilty, we were ungrateful, we were defiant, we were perverse. In that condition, God in His goodness, He pursued us in that condition. He reached down, He snatched us up like a brand from the fire. He opened our eyes to the beauty of Jesus, and we were saved. We were ransomed, redeemed, restored, forgiven, and as wonderful as that is, that's not the end of the story. God takes us and He adopts us into His family and we become children of God. As J.R. Packer has famously said, to be right with God the judge is a great thing. It is, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater because adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers. And when we reflect upon this love, we too will burst out and say, behold, what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And this is not a mere title, children of God. It's a fact, and so we are. If you are in Christ, you are a child of God. Let me just end with this one more thing. This past Monday during our book club, we were discussing this idea that we're adopted children of God, that God is our Father, and how precious that is. And the question was, how do we take this truth and sink it down deep within? And then Zach Petty gave some wonderful practical wisdom. This is what he said. Zach said, what if we took a passage like Galatians 4, for example? I think he's thinking of the adoption portion of Galatians 4, Galatians 4, 4 to 7. Or you can talk to Zach afterwards to get the specifics of what he said, but I think it's Galatians 4, 4 to 7. And Zach said, what if we just took 10 minutes a day and we prayed over, reflected on, meditated on this truth of our adoption, 
And he said, what if we did this for two weeks? He said, what kind of a difference would this make on us in just two weeks' time? So this is the Zach Petty Challenge. I'm going to leave it up here. Now, if you think it's too hard, I'm going to lower the bar way down here. This is going to be my challenge. That's Zach's. I commend it to you. Here's my, here's my challenge. Just take 10 minutes, 10 minutes this week. That's all and reflect upon this truth of our adoption. Pray over a passage about our adoption, asking the Lord to press this truth deep within. I'll give you a few moments to pray silently, and I'll close this. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful little half of a verse in 1 John 3, 1. What an amazing little half of a verse. Father, thank you for the Apostle John, and thank you for his outburst of wonder that he has when he considers your love and making us your children. Thank you, Father, for his uh, reminder and his wake-up call uh, for this amazing love. And Father, thank you that he calls us to pause, to consider, to contemplate this amazing love of yours that has made us your children. So Father, I pray that we really would take some time this week to ponder and to consider and to reflect upon this amazing love that has made us your children. And Father, of course, the only way that we could become your children is because of the Lord Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he knew no sin, but he became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Father, as we sing this next song, I pray that we would sing in a way that would honor and glorify you, that we would sing with joy from, from our hearts. I pray that you would use Mark in a powerful way on a familiar passage in Acts chapter 2. I pray you would help us to be attentive to the preaching of your word, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.